Welcome back to another episode of the Money Over Blitzes podcast. Uh, today, I want to talk about the, the NFL draft is now officially over. After all the months of anticipation and speculation and annihilation of some draft boards, we're finally done speculating, thinking about what, what's going on, and we have some answers, at least we have you know some clarity to where everybody's going, what everyone's situation is looking like. So I want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, you know, I, I hit the gym today. I just got back from the gym. And, you know, when you're you're in that mode of you know, you're working out and sometimes you just, the mind starts to wonder about certain things, you know, what am I going to talk about for this episode? And I just, I figured it was a good time to, you know, the draft is over. Let's go over some winners and losers because, of course, the draft is mainly for rookies. Obviously, all these rookies are getting drafted, but it also affects a good amount of veterans depending on what teams decide they're going to do. So I figure it's a good time to uh, talk about some winners and losers and, uh, you know, see what see what we have in store going into next year. So I broke it down by position basically for winners and losers. So I'm just going to kind of rattle off some stuff and some thoughts that have come to my head just in the in the days since the draft so my top winner at quarterback is Trey Lance of course he went to San Francisco at pick three the good thing with that though he doesn't have to start right away the team seems to be committed to having Jimmy G start there for at least a little while um, you know whether how many games that ends up being who knows but a lot of people were worried about the lack of playing experience the lack of playing time for Trey Lance at college. Of course, he only started the 17 games, so doesn't seem like he really has to worry about that unless Jimmy G gets hurt, which it's very possible. He does have injury history, but they were fairly serious injuries, so kind of freak injuries. I'm not too worried about his injury history uh, going into next year, but at least for Trey Lance, he'll be able to sit back, watch the offense play out, and he'll have to compete when the time comes and uh you know if Jimmy G starts to slip a little bit I'm sure Trey Lance will get his opportunity to go but of course any quarterback that was going to land in San Francisco was going to have all the opportunity in the world in terms of that that great offense um of course with Lance and his rushing ability he's going to have a an immense upside for him but when you're talking about playing with guys like Kittle Debo, Ayuk, you have a great running game, you have a good defense. He has all the tools around him to succeed. And for Trey, it's it's good because he doesn't have to do a ton in order to really succeed. Of course, they all, they have all the Yak brothers that I just listed. So, you know, majority of their production last year was based on short screens and dump offs and stuff like that. And the receivers just did all the work in terms of, you know, making plays after the catch. So, of course, Trey has a good arm, so I'm not worried about that, but I don't think he's going to have a ton of pressure on him to really produce, and he's gonna—he's not going to have to do too much on his own in order to produce. So he's a winner in my book. Um, a veteran winner I have is Lamar Jackson. So the team invested two draft picks at wide receiver. They drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round, of course. That was their first round selection. And uh, Tylen Wallace, I believe that was in the fourth round. So... The team obviously sees a need for pass-catching weapons. Obviously, we saw what the team looked like last year with such a heavy running attack. Um, you know, and teams seem to eventually key in on that and were kind of predicting plays as 
the the offense was running so offense got way too predictable too stale they need to open things up a little bit and I'm willing to bet this is probably the best receiving weapons that Lamar has ever had both in college and uh, since he's been in the league he hasn't really had a top tier receiver like a Rashad Bateman Um, you know the best receiver he's even you know had selected for him is Hollywood Brown and we've seen how that's panned out for him so a big boost for Lamar and you can really see what he's going to bring to the table from a passing perspective. I expect the team to open up at least a little bit, open up the offense, but seeing is believing. Um, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. And uh, Matt Ryan is my last winner for, for quarterback. Of course, they drafted Kyle Pitts at number four, so just another weapon to add to that loaded offense already, um, as if they needed really anymore, you know. But, hey, if you have a great offense – why not add, you know, make a strength even stronger? I guess that's that's their feeling, and you get, of course, a, a generational talent in Kyle Pitts. So I can't really argue too much with the pick. I thought they were going to trade back during the draft, but didn't pan out that way. So Matt Ryan comes out as a winner for that, and of course they didn't they didn't invest a, a pick on quarterback. Uh, a lot of people had speculated, you know, maybe they take a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, someone like that, uh, to back up. Matt Ryan to kind of help with that transition that didn't happen they the only quarterback that they actually ended up grabbing was uh, Felipe Franks as an undrafted free agent so nothing really tied to any kind of quarterbacks Matt Ryan seems to be the guy for at least now maybe in the short-term future um, we'll, we'll see how that pans out long term but he doesn't have anything to worry about right now at least uh, a couple losers I have of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, because they took, you know, San Francisco took Trey Lance at number three. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jimmy to produce and keep that starting spot. I wouldn't be surprised if they have any, if he shows any kind of slip up or any kind of remote injury where maybe he could play through it. But, you know, the team is going to be cautious and say, you know what, sit this one out. Uh, we want to see what Trey Lance has to offer anyway. You know, don't risk any further injury. Like I said before, of course, he has the injury history, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had something maybe small that, you know, Shanahan said, you know what, set this one out, bud. You know, we're going to let Trey Lance come in and play. So he's going to have a bunch of pressure on him in order to stay on the field. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that how that works out for him. And my other loser I have is Derek Carr, simply because the team didn't do any, didn't do any favors for him. They didn't add any kind of real receiving options in the draft. To be honest, I don't know what the hell they were doing. They, there was some reports about their player evaluations um, with, in regards to the, the lineman Leatherwood, Alabama. I think it was Alabama. He's he's from. Um, he the some of the team was higher on him than others, so there seemed to be a lot of dissension in that draft board, but in that draft room, um, but. It didn't help Derek Carr very much. I mean, they got rid of a lot of his offensive linemen uh, before the, you know, in the offseason while free agency was going on. So he took a big loss as far as that goes, but they didn't really add much to help him out. So not that I expected a ton for Derek Carr. He's kind of always been a middling QB2, mid to low end QB2, but they didn't really do him any favors. So I don't expect much out of that offense next year and going forward. Um, 
I mean, they do have a couple guys. Henry Ruggs needs to, to step it up compared to last year. He wasn't used much and didn't really show much out on the field. And uh, Brian Edwards was banged up quite a bit last year. I know I have him in one league, and I'm thinking I'm going to stash him because he right now he's towards the top of the depth chart. And he was a third-round pick last year. Um, so they did invest some draft capital in him. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out if he ends up being healthy next year. So for running backs, uh, we'll move on to running backs right now. Big winner for me, of course, is Najee Harris. Expected him to go to a good landing spot. He got one in Pittsburgh. Uh, he got that first-round draft capital, so automatically gained that fifth-year option. Pittsburgh's going to have uh, five years of control for him automatically. So at least for you dynasty guys, you're you're pretty confident that you can keep him for at least three to f- four years. But you may even, he may even be viable for the whole five years because you figure at the end of his fifth year, he's going to be 28. You see guys like Melvin Gordon right now, 28, 29 years old, still producing. So that doesn't scare me off of uh, Najee at all. That doesn't really concern me at all. So he'll have that fifth year, no problem there. Uh, the team did invest some draft capital in the offensive line. I think they used their third and fourth round picks on uh, some offensive linemen. So obviously they saw that as a need, a bit of a need. Last year they struggled a little bit getting the running game going. I'm sure some of that was, or a good amount of that, was James Conner and his struggles that he was going through. But Najee's already a clear upgrade over what they had in James Conner. So I don't expect there to be too much of an issue there. Um yeah, I, I don't see that really being any kind of issue. And um, the good thing with him is they didn't draft they didn't draft anybody else. So you're looking at automatically probably 250 plus touches. So he catches the ball out of the backfield. Obviously, he runs the ball very well. So he will get a ton of work and a ton of volume. I honestly expect him to be a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 this year right out the gate. And you could probably expect that for years to come, especially if they start really investing in that uh, that offensive line, really build that up to back to where it used to be, um, depending on what they end up doing at the quarterback position after Big Ben. If they get a solid uh, successor to Big Ben, that boosts Najee's value even more. So it's wheels up for Najee. I'm happy I got him in one of my dynasty leagues. I think he'll be one of the, these top running backs like you saw last year with a, a JT, Cam Akers, kind of in that, you know, CEH, J.K. Dobbins, in that same grouping of these up-and-coming running backs. Um, and my RB2 in the class, he's another winner for me, Javante Williams. He got a solid landing spot in Denver. Uh, Denver actually traded up for him in the second round, uh, the beginning of the second round, so they sniped Miami uh, on that pick. So good offensive line. Uh, Denver has when they're healthy of course they had some injury struggles last year and I think that kind of led to some of Drew Locke's downfall Uh, didn't do him any favors as far as that goes but if they can stay healthy they have a top-notch offensive line obviously a really good defense they have a focus on the run game so Javante should have no problem eating in that system they have plenty of receiving options around him so there should be no reason that the box gets stacked when you're talking about having Cortland Sutton come back, Jerry Judy on the opposite side, uh, KJ Hamler, if he can catch on and stretch the field, of course you have Noah Fant. So too many receiving options to go around to just focus on a Javante Williams. So of course, like I said, he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he can do a good amount of damage just running the ball on his own. So 
I, I expect good things from him. I managed to skank him as well, so I was very happy with that. And uh, he may start off kind of slow just in case, um, you know, they still have Melvin Gordon there, like I said before. He's been producing, but he's 29 now, so he should be aging out. Honestly, I expect another um, kind of like Cam Akers situation was last year or J.K. Dobbins situation was last year where the veteran running backs took the lead at least for the first half of the year and then as time went on as the season went on that faded away so it would not surprise me at all if Javante ended up seizing control of that backfield halfway three quarters of the way through the season and then definitely going into next season that should be his backfield to own and and his alone so that he won't that won't scare me off at all and uh, in terms of some veterans of course some guys that need to be mentioned is Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis they managed to escape the draft. No running backs drafted by their teams. Um, no high draft capital invested on either team. Um, the Falcons ended up getting Javian Hawkins, um, I think, at the end of the draft, or as a, an undrafted free agent. But that doesn't scare me at all. The kid's 183 pounds. I don't see him doing much as besides maybe being a, a scat back, you know, third down guy just coming in every once in a while and then miles gaskin he should get the same usage that he got last year uh, when he was healthy he was putting up solid rb2 numbers so it seems like it's at least wheels up for him and mike davis at least for this next year um I, like i said before i think miami did get sniped i'm pretty sure they wanted javante so um, it would not surprise me at all if the time is ticking really for miles gaskin in terms of, I think this might be this his last year in terms of real usability. I think Miami's going to focus on getting a running back next year, unless Miles Gaskin really pops off and makes me look stupid. But I, I think last year is more what you're going to get, uh, and I think they really want a feature back, especially now that they have receiving weapons. They can just really complete that offense with a true workhorse running back. Uh, some some losers I have, of course, James Robinson. They the the Jaguars decided to take Travis Etienne at the end of the first round. Um, supposedly, Urban Meyer was heartbroken that they got sniped for Kadarius Tony. I still don't understand the Kadarius Tony love, but that's just me. Um, they decided to go with uh, Travis Etienne instead. And whatever Urban Meyer says about him being a third down back, I'm sorry. I don't believe it. That's that's a load of crap. Um, you don't draft a third down back in the first round where you're going to have five years of control. Um, that just doesn't happen. And now you have Carlos Hyde and Travis Etienne eating into James Robinson's workload. So RIP James Robinson. I'm pouring one out for all you James Robinson owners. Thank God I got rid of him in the middle of last year. I just I, – I felt the writing was on the wall. And, I, you know, I respect the people who – hung on to him and had the balls to hang on to him but I know I couldn't do it and thank god I I got I moved on from him because new coaching staff you never know what you're going to get in terms of a philosophy and you know James Robinson wasn't Urban Meyer's guy so now he actually got to take a running back of his own so James Robinson probably should have some kind of role but I don't see a big role for him when you're talking about a first round running back in Travis Etienne and of course to add on to the fact that that's Trevor Lawrence's teammate out of Clemson they're going to be buddy buddies and 
J-Rob is the odd man out as far as that one goes. He gets he gets the ugly lunch table uh, that no one wants to sit with him at. So he's a loser in my mind um, in terms of, you know, the draft process. But another one for me is Kylan Hill. I didn't expect a ton for him, but I did think he would be kind of a third or fourth round guy. But he ended up falling to the sixth round. And, of course, he landed in Green Bay. So now he's behind Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I was kind of hoping for him that he would get um, kind of a change of pace back role. He could go into a, a committee and be a third down, really just split it with one person. Now you're talking about getting – you're behind a stud running back in Aaron Jones who obviously signed the four-year contract, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And then the team just drafted A.J. Dillon last year, so he's not going anywhere and he's going to get a lot of the goal line work. So – I don't know what's really there or what's available for Kylan Hill in terms of production. So any kind of hope that I think you had for Kylan Hill kind of died out with his landing spot, which kind of sucks, but it is what it is. It's the NFL. They're, they're focused on real football, not us fantasy players. They could give two shits as far as, um, you know, our, our outlook on things. So either way, he's a, he's a loser on my list. And lastly, Melvin Gordon comes up on my list, of course, because they took Javante Williams. Um, like I said before, he's 29, so he's gonna and he's gonna be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, he had the DUI charge, but I think that got dropped, so I don't. I'm not sure if he's gonna end up having any kind of disciplinary action, but either way, the the writing is on the wall for Melvin Gordon. So I think I have one share of him, and it's on a contending team, so he'll he'll be good at least for the first half of the season. And, um, you know, we'll see how long he ends up really having the, the reins as the top back in that backfield. So that's it for my uh, my running back section. Moving on to receivers now, uh, my top winner is Devontae Smith. Uh, I was very high on him, of course, going into the going into the draft. I know a lot of people were. And some people weren't so high on him just because he was small and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. Uh, he goes to Philly. He's going to automatically be the team's number one receiver, uh, not Jalen Rieger. I think he can produce, but he's not going to produce at the level DeMonte Smith will. Uh, any of their other, Greg Ward, Arcega Whiteside, any other other role players, practice squad level players that just happen to be on the roster, it's not going to hold a candle to DeMonte Smith. Um, he's going to automatically be the alpha there. And he should have chemistry right away with Jalen Hurts. Of course, they had some playing experience together uh, at Alabama and on Jalen Hurts's his early days there before he transferred. So I expect some good things there. I expect them to kind of pick up where they left off. And like I said, Devontae Smith, I felt, was pro-ready. So I think he's going to be ready. He was beating SEC-level corners. Um, you know, basically the highest level corners college had to offer. So I think he's ready to step into that role and he should be able to produce. I think he's, I think he's a plug and play wide receiver too, right away. Um, so I think anybody that drafted him is going to be happy to be able to have him in his lineup and not have any issues whatsoever. Uh, my second winner is Rondell Moore. Uh, he got a good landing spot in Arizona, so he doesn't have to truly play the you know, an X receiver role, play the outside. He has D hop. And if AJ green can stay healthy, he'll be on the opposite side. So Rondell can really dominate in the slot and in the middle areas of the field on those crossing routes, drag routes, any kind of quick bubble screens that really just get the ball in his hands and watch him go. That was 
basically his calling card and what led him to kind of blow up his freshman year and produce the way that he did. So he can still stay in that role, but I still think he does have some of that skill set where he can go on the outside and, and win against certain coverages and certain corners, but he's he should really be able to flourish in the middle of the field against linebackers and slower safeties. Um, so, And, of course, he gets an immediate quarterback upgrade from college. He was dealing with trash at Purdue. Now he gets Kyler Murray, so it's quite the come-up story for him. And, uh, yeah, I, I expect big things from him. Maybe not first year, uh, just because he'll be the third option, and uh, we'll have to see how the offense kind of works and how they Cliff Kingsbury changes things to his new weapons. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I, I think Rondale can definitely produce in that offense. And my third guy is uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, good landing spot in Detroit. The team is terrible. They didn't invest any other draft capital in any other receiver of any consequence. So um, he's basically the only guy. And him, Hawkinson, and Swift, they're going to be down pretty much every game. He should get a ton of targets. It would not surprise me at all to see him get 9,500 targets at the end of the year. Um, slot guy, close to the line of scrimmage. Jared Goff, not the best quarterback in my opinion, So, but he's capable of at least getting the ball to his receivers. So Amon Ra should be able to eat, no problem there. Uh, some of my losers, uh, Rashad Bateman. I was very high on Bateman coming into the draft. He was my wide receiver uh Two, uh, probably 2A and 2B with Devontae Smith. I, I I struggle back and forth with putting them between 2 and 3. Um, but Bateman, he's very skilled, has a great skill set. Of course, he doesn't get the best landing spot in Baltimore. Like I talked earlier, uh, Lamar Jackson has a winner. Hopefully this means that the team recognizes that they need to put more of an emphasis on the passing game. Problem is we haven't seen it yet, so... It's you're kind of dealing in in the dark and dealing in the unknown as far as that goes, but hopefully this is kind of an indication of things are changing within that offense, so it'll open up a little bit more, and um, we'll we'll have to see how Lamar goes. Obviously, Bateman's going to be subject to Lamar's passing ability, and he didn't do a ton of passing on the outside towards the sideline um, in years past you know, up to this point, but he's never really had a receiver like Rashad Bateman. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, right now I have him a little bit down and I think that's kind of why he's slipping originally, you know, before the NFL draft, I, I was seeing him mock towards the end of the first round. Now I'm starting to see him slip into the second round. Uh, I managed to get him in the second round of one of my rookie drafts, one of my early drafts. So that's, I think that's where he's going to end up settling in is that early second round for him. And uh, my other losers is the honestly the Cincinnati wide receiver core. So you're you're talking about T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd kind of being losers there because they took Jamar Chase at five. Um, it's I mean it's great for Chase. It's great for Joe Burrow. That's what he wanted. He wanted his his old teammate back. So he managed to get that. We'll have to see how the offensive line holds up for him. Uh, they did invest. I think it was a second round pick uh, on the offensive line to help booster that up, but. It, it, there's a lot of mouths to feed now. Uh, to be honest, you're, you're talking about Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd is probably going to go back into the slot. That's where he had been playing uh, bef up to this point and up to last year, really. That's really what his skill set is catered to. Um, and you're going to have T. Higgins. So T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, I expect them to be both on the outside. 
Chase may come into the slot at some point, and I mean Tyler Boyd is probably not going to see the field in two receiver sets, so that kind of sucks. But that there's just so many mouths to feed at this point. Now you're talking about Joe Mixon being a, an every down back. I heard I saw reports of the coaching staff basically saying they didn't want to see him leave the field. Um, so now you're adding another. You know, if he can stay healthy, you're adding another dynamic weapon basically to that offense. So. A lot of mouths to feed, and it's they're kind of all going to eat into each other's work. So, uh, I'm not sure how that's all going to pan out in terms of fantasy finishes, but that's why I kind of have them as a little bit of a loser. It would have been nicer if Chase went to a Detroit or um, even a Miami, something like that, where he wouldn't eat into anybody else's competition, basically, and eat into their production. Uh, for so for winners for tight end, I. Kyle Pitts, of course, he was the top tight end coming into the class, so it was hard to see him kind of really fail anywhere, but goes to Atlanta at number four. Good landing spot for him in my mind. It's a high-octane offense. They passed the ball a ton last year. Um, That defense is still really young and developing, so odds are they're going to give up a lot of points. Of course, they're in the NFC South. Drew Brees isn't there anymore, but Tom Brady is, So, and Carolina got better in the offseason, so there should be a lot of points to go around in that in that division, so they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. And um, Kyle Pitts, of course, he's a generational talent, so figures to see that you know he should get the ball thrown his way more than a few times, so no problems there in that landing spot. Uh, Pat Fryermuth is my one of my other tight end winners. He lands at Pittsburgh, so a pretty solid landing spot for him. I uh, kind of see him in another kind of Heath Miller role. Obviously, Pittsburgh had Heath Miller beforehand. He did pretty well for himself. Uh, Fryermuth got drafted in the second round, so solid draft capital. I I expect them to make use of him, um, you know, in that offense to some capacity. Eric Ebron, I believe, is a free agent after this year, and of course he's going to be starting to age out. He's re- creeping towards 30, so I don't expect him on the team beyond this next year. So that'll put Fryermuth pretty much at the tight end one spot. So it'll be interesting to see what the team does at quarterback, but it, at least he'll have the role pretty much to himself, and he should develop nicely within that offense. And uh, my third winner is Hunter Long. He ended up getting drafted to Miami in the third round. Uh, we didn't talk about him really in the in the tight end episode, but he's a, he's a solid pass catcher uh, out of Boston College, so he showed some good athleticism there. He's going to compete for targets with Mike Kosicki, it seems like, so um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits. Uh, Tua, in my mind, doesn't have the, the best arm in the world, but he can he's very accurate, so that caters itself to over-the-middle throws, which is probably where Hunter Long is going to end up eating, and you have guys like Jalen Waddell and um, Will Fuller to take the top off a of defense. Of course, they're lightning quick, so that opens up more space for Gesicki and, and Hunter Long. So, in my mind, if you're spending a third-round draft draft pick on a guy like that, you plan on using him to some degree. So, I managed to grab him in uh, my third or fourth round of a rookie draft to, towards the end. It was a tight end premium league, so I felt that was a pretty nice steal. Um, yeah, I, it, it's a nice kind of store it away, you know, low cost, stash them on your taxi squad, see how it works out, and maybe you found yourself a hidden gem there. Uh, Of course, some of the losers are the guys that they replaced. You're talking about Hayden Hurst, of course, they took Kyle Pitts, so I didn't expect a ton from Hayden Hurst, but now his value obviously takes a dip with his workload being severely cut, and uh, Mike Kosicki, of course, so, you know, his draft, his um, 
excuse me, his production is going to take a hit, I would imagine, to some degree if, if Hunter Long is being taken in the third round. Um, they, of course, they took Jalen Waddell. So not sure what that is all going to pan out for at, from Mike Isicki. Not that I expected a ton from him. Once you get past those first few tight ends, it's all kind of a crapshoot in my mind anyway for fantasy production. But them drafting Hunter Long didn't exactly help his his stock in any way. So that's all I got. Uh, I just wanted to give some thoughts after the NFL draft. You know, some winners, some losers. I know some guys are, I've obviously completed a couple rookie drafts, so these are things to kind of keep in mind for your upcoming rookie drafts or maybe some of these veteran winners uh, you can kind of snag on a, a lower cost because people are so worried about, you know, they're so concerned with rookie hype that some of these veteran guys go under the radar. You might be able to get them for cheap, um, you know, if somebody's not paying attention maybe, but just wanted to get some thoughts out there to you guys and uh, see what you guys think. If you enjoyed, you know, feel free to subscribe on the YouTube channel. Leave us a comment. Start the conversation. You know, what are you guys thinking about the NFL draft? What are you guys thinking about some of these landing spots? Get at me on Twitter. That's at MoneyOverBlitzes. You know, I'm on there pretty much every day putting out something, whether it's a trade that went through, talking about, you know, some of these landing spots, live reactions to the draft. I was tweeting quite a bit during the draft, especially the first round. Um, So, yeah, you know, start the conversation. Let's go back and forth, and um, let's see how, you know, the rest of the season pans out. We're going to have camp coming up pretty soon, and we'll be off and running before you know it, folks. So thanks, guys, for listening. Hope you have a good one. Take care. Peace.